podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! That was very enthusiastic. Hey. Pod 231. Ooh. Yeah, 231. Uh, sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk. That's a vector with a K. Oh, nice unison. And JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Very good. That's my undercut impression. That's quite good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's all right. Um, Andy Street. Hello. Kevin Day. Hello. And me. Three three person pod today. Three person pod. Yeah. yeah so we all got to work. Twelve percent. Ten. A bit 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 more each. Yeah, it's going to be it difficult on? to tell whether you're working hard or not. <laughs> no, we talk. Well, if you keep the bar low, then you don't have to. You don't have to do too you much. You might ask two two extra questions this week. No. That actually reminds me of a saying my my late grandmother had, which she said to us in all seriousness. Never aim too high because then you can never be disappointed. Yeah. Which I just Fair thought, point. which I just thought was uh, yeah. really no, quite depressing. Absolutely, I think that's, that's great. Homer yeah. Simpson's mantra as well. Oh, was it really? Yeah. And in a way, you can apply that to Palace this season, really, because they really? don't have to yeah. aim that high to get out of the relegation yeah. zone. Really, at he the is, moment, he is working hard, isn't he? Okay, that's yeah. me done. I'm off. Yeah. Thanks very much. We do have to. We have to aim as high as we've aimed all season. We have to aim for seventeenth. <laughs> is what we have yeah. to aim for. Yeah, yeah, it's so, just, yeah, yeah. But I mean, start of the season that wouldn't have been what we're aiming for. Now, now we are. So you know, the goalposts have moved. That's what I was aiming for. If you were, yeah, but, yeah, but we know what you're like. The goalposts have moved. Yeah, that, that would explains explain a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Wilf, I can still see it now. Okay, well, let's talk about that game at Wembley on Sunday, um, which we all went to. We all did. in attendance, so we can't get abuse from anyone for opining on a game that we haven't been to, which seems to happen most weeks. In, um, in your face, general audience, and yeah. so forth. Having said that, some of us did meet quite early in the Weatherspoons of Victoria, so... Oh, how, how, yeah, we kind how, of had yeah. a guilty look at each other yeah, when yeah, uh, Kevin, yeah. Kevin went straight. Went, oh, you're here? Yeah. And he went, oh, you're here? Well, yeah. it's because you were with a Tottenham fan. I was with a Tottenham fan. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Who was actually very uh, complimentary after the match. I, I think I must know the only few good Tottenham fans because all the Spurs fans I've spoken to since have been speaking in fairly glowing terms about how we played how we defended how frustrating it was to watch them play against us well quite rightly because Palace I mean deserved a point that's, that's and maybe more frankly. yeah I, 
Yeah, we did actually. It was disappointing because Tottenham were were very far from the best as we hoped they might they might be after the Real Madrid game. Yeah, the atmosphere was very flat. The early kickoff didn't help. I I actually I thought we were good, but I didn't think we were quite as good as some of the pundits made out. To be perfectly honest, I did think we were. I thought we were capable and competent and well organised, and do, we definitely deserved a point. And bearing in mind, it was at Wembley yeah, against no, Tottenham. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, the record's not that brilliant, to be perfectly fair. No, is but it? that's still but, obviously yeah, one of the best no, teams. No, still. I mean, it would, and we did deserve a point. And that would have been a morale boost. I was still slightly concerned. Just Loftus Cheek just wasted for me. Just, just playing him too wide. It just mm-hmm. needs to get him involved. It just. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they would have scored if he'd been floating around the city. Just you're missing him. I thought Joe Ward played really well at left back. Yeah, because again, that was one of those mystifying decisions that you kind of looked at your watch and went, oh, "I was in the pub way too long." I mean, that can't be right. <laughs> but no, I did think we were. And we were really. I mean, it's it's just our luck, and then a third choice keeper comes in, and once again, the keeper's man of the match has a blinder. Yeah, two yeah, weeks, two, two weeks in a row. Yeah, but um, the keeper, the keeper, well, the keeper was involved. Gazaniga was involved in the first contentious decision of the game, which was sort of clashing with Mamasako early on. Andy, did you think it was a penalty? Well, I was about 300 yards away yeah. from it and I've not watched any replays, so I have no idea. <laughs> really? I'm sorry, seriously? I think it was impossible for anyone to tell from the away end. That's why I didn't think it. I thought something had happened because clearly Saka went down. Mm. Although it's quite a long time after the play, the play continued for quite a while before the referee seemed to notice. But I, I did think... You'd expect it to be a penalty the other way when I did see it. I mean, he really came out. Yeah. He got nowhere near the ball. He really clattered him. Yeah. And I think it's one of those where our players didn't make enough of a fuss, really. Or and was then, it, I was thinking, was it too early in the game? Sometimes, I mean, you hear people say that, but it's possible. It's, it's Being possible. in mind we were the away team at Wembley. Yeah, there, there is that possible. I mean, it's, it's annoying because I did get really, really angry about Son later on because that was cheating. Mm pretending to have a head injury to stop our attack in the penalty area it was simply it's funny because you, we you were texting me after uh, the game about yeah. that and I actually hadn't noticed uh, it and then I went online and loads of people were moaning about it but I, I uh, sort of I missed that it was nothing to do with the goal and it, cause it, but it's just uh, annoyed me when pundits get so cross about so many things and that was just that's just that's cheating. As simple as that. And really so what not, happened? He went down with a went, head injury. I think, well, he got, I, I think he from again I've not seen the replays but from some people that I know that were watching it, apparently he got clipped a little bit by sort of a stray arm. Yeah, but I think it was the manner in which he got up so quickly. Immediately after the play is right. stopped, it's not the fact that he's receiving treatment for, I don't know, a couple of minutes or even no. 30 seconds. I think it's just the fact that he's down, you know, purportedly with a head injury and then within 15 seconds he's back up on his feet yeah. looking Well, he drew, atten- he drew attention was... to it. That was the thing. He drew attention to, it, to the ref and to other Tottenham players. And we had the ball, and we and Townsend was on the attack. So it was like that was just frustrating. It just it's it's another little thing that adds up to frustration. But it is sort it part of it's part of the gamesmanship, isn't it? The players it, it, do these days. Yeah, but and Spurs are very good with that. Some of that stuff. It's almost sort of straight out of the Argentinian defender playbook for yeah. someone like Pochettino. Look, they're, yeah. they're they're very good if there's any form of breakaway of doing the whole rotational fouling, sort of bringing it back so they can get back into shape. It's it's frustrating to watch as a fan. But equally, we've done it before under uh, Pulis and Warnock, and I'm sure we'll do it again under Hodgson. It's, it's to a certain extent the mark of a professional team. 
Um, well, also, I think it goes I, about things in, in the right way. To be perfectly, honest. I don't think you well, will, not the right way, but the, you yeah, know, yeah. You, um, you, I don't think you always notice it with Tottenham because, to be fair, they are such an attractive team to watch normally that you yeah. you you let them off with that. But it's just because it was a, a bit of a scrappy game, and it was like mm. we needed every bit of mm. luck we could get. But then, I mean, it's to say the keeper. I mean, I cons- the save he made from Luca, I think, was was just yeah, back post to the ludic- corner, yeah, yeah. just fantastic. Well, the Townsend one was very, very good as well. Yeah. So he has to get down very low, very yeah. quickly. Yeah, um, and then Wilf, because uh, I thought the keeper had made a, his only mistake coming charging out to Wilf, and because Wilf rounded him so easily, and just like that was my fault because I was halfway up. I'd already started jumping. Well, I think we all had. Basically, we all assumed yeah. that was rolling in the back of the I net. Actually, I actually thought it was a mistake for him to come out that quickly. I, was, so exactly. I would almost have hoped that Wolf would have taken it early and actually done what Chris Wood did, Chris Wood did against, yeah. against, against Tennessee. Uh, against yeah. Tennessee and just seeing yeah. that he's out of position, yeah. seeing that he can't well, dive. Could he have squared it to so, Townsend maybe? Or was Townsend not up, up at play at that point? I I think, think, uh, no, I think he'd made the right. Once he'd beaten the keeper, then of course he has to go for the, yeah. for the shot. But I think he was almost stuck in... It, it looked to me... Almost one of those positions where he's almost wondering if he's going to get wiped out by the keeper, yeah. about to get a penalty. Mm. Um, but yeah, you'd, you'd hope someone of Wolf's ability would be able to hit the target from there. It was a bad miss. Yeah. Um, is it? Is I mean, we hear a lot about Palace this expected goals thing, which we do have questions about mm. later as well. Uh, but Palace creating these chances and the chance creation were up there with the, the top teams in the league rather than the bottom and we're not finishing them off so are we victims of just simply not having a qualified striker up top well, that would a, finish those kind of chances there's got to be a mixture of well I think it's partially that and I think it, it, it's undoubted that there have been some ma- matches where you wanted someone to be able to play that sort of number nine role against the teams that play a three and press quite high like Chelsea did and like Spurs did on Sunday, it's actually worked quite well having yeah. Wilf and Townsend yeah. and not having that focal point through the middle because it's just allowed them to get in behind and try and create things like that. But there have been plenty of matches where we've created good chances and there's not been a, a Benteke or even a Fraser Campbell to yeah. make, make the runs into the box. And even on Sunday, there were some very good balls squared across by both Wilf and Townsend, mm-hmm. but no one really trying to chase in because obviously there's no one there. So that, there is that. But there's equally the, the, the fact that you don't expect someone of Wilf's ability to missed the chance that he missed and yeah. if you look at that expected goals thing if anyone's remotely interested someone put that as 0.75 which means that you would expect someone in that position to score three times out of four yeah. and that sounds about right in terms yeah. of the, the sort of quality of that that shot and equally you wouldn't necessarily expect a keeper to be repeatedly making the sort of yeah. saves that Gazaniga did so it's been a combination of I think slight uh I don't want to say incompetence in not bringing in the striker, but certainly it's been a mistake well, and it's made things more difficult. But equally, we have been the victim of some pretty poor fortune as well. But you could, you could also argue that if Benteke or another striker was, was playing, we wouldn't have created that chance anyway because the approach play would have been completely different. Yeah, no, I think it's a very fair point. point yeah. So I, I think we've created different sort of chances. And the fact with that is you would expect Wilf to, to tuck it away. And I mean, just... just it was at the time it it didn't feel too bad because it looked like we had more chances to come and it wasn't it was definitely a good performance I mean that's why I'm I'm much more philosophical than I was this time last year because I think we're actually a better side than we were or we were about to become this time last year mm-hmm. I think we do look you know, we do look defensively better we do look quite creative. We don't look like a bad team at all. Like, so I am still relatively optimistic. And we have got this run of games to come. But Yeah, and we will talk about that because obviously yeah. it's going to be a big, big, yeah, big but run I think of games. I still think there are interesting things. It's kind of like, well, why Why do we? Why is Joel Wald having to play left back? 
you know, why is... Tim well, we've Ross, only got three left-backs, so well, it makes sense, does you know, Why can't we find the right place to play for us? Mate? Why is Loftus-Cheek still playing wide and the right? When that would be, for me, you know, for Loftus-Cheek is, is the bigger question, because yeah. it was very obvious last week against West Ham, he started out wide yeah. and did nothing, did nothing and then came into the centre in the second half and was way more influential, set yeah. up the second goal yeah. for Wilf, yeah. admittedly with a very simple sort of five-yard pass. Um, I think the Wardy at left-back is because he really likes schlupping this more advanced, yeah, advanced role, role yeah. and so would literally rather have a right-back at left-back rather than losing schlup from the middle. I think Fossey Menes has been doing okay, personally, but, when, well, he's, the, when he's The top with schlup, though, in this game, because clearly schlup was trying to protect... So you kind of lost schlup from the middle anyway because he was trying to cover for Wardy more than he would have been doing mm. normally, I think. And I do think Joe Ward played well. He played well enough at... Schlupp uh, continues sure. to make mystifyingly stupid decisions yeah. at times. So there's it one does. where he heads it straight back into a really dangerous area yeah. in the second half where he had absolutely no need to. There was another instance in which really what we should have been doing, I know it's a bit old-fashioned and a little bit basic, just hitting the channels mm-hmm. on, yeah. on Sunday. And it worked when we did do that occasionally. And there was, again, an opportunity in the second half where you might not have been able to set someone away, but he certainly had just a, a really clear run of being able to just clear it down the line and again turns inside loses it ends up nearly springing an attack so I mean I, it, if anything I, I would think it's probably less that he's seen as being a particular asset further forward because I don't think he's been particularly brilliant in that position but more that he's defensively still a bit of a liability perhaps not not any more so than Van Arnold he's also been fairly poor in recent weeks but, and that's what you used to say about Suarez as well before he got but I mean yeah. you know, maybe it's a combination of the fact that well, obviously Van Arnold's injured, so we're not sure whether or not he would continue to be picked there. You maybe imagine that in light of some of the performances he'd had recently that Hodgson would think again. But maybe it's a product of just the fact that the left-backs haven't been very good or yeah. aren't very good, one yeah. of the two. And Wardy doesn't, he doesn't wander much from full-back, whether it's left or right, does he? He's very, he'll, he'll stay in position. Yeah, no, I think that's why he's looking a better player, because Hodgson is using him the way Pulis used yeah. him. He's not looking for him to get forward. He's not looking for him to do anything other than defend. Basically, and and we've always said that he's a he's a decent Premier League defender. Did he play left back a bit under Pulis as well? He did. I think he did. Yeah, it's just that he's a decent. Yeah. He is a decent Premier League defender. It's just that you just expect fullbacks to do so much more in the Premier League these days. Um, but maybe with with Roy now, we won't. Maybe like maybe it is back to basics in in a way. Yeah, I th- I th- yeah, I think it will be to a certain extent. I, I think he's very clearly got set sort of patterns of play he wants to exploit, and you could see there were. Uh, instances in in various of the games recently where we just look like we're attacking down one flank we're not trying to sort of spread it about when we're not really looking to exploit both fullbacks yeah, we're just really moving, yeah. targeting one side and maybe yeah. you know maybe it doesn't really matter that much that one of your fullbacks then is a little bit more defensively minded and is better suited to sitting deep as Ward is mm-hmm. I thought we, we haven't quite got this I, I, I don't think that Chelsea game was a one-off by any means but we haven't quite had the same intensity since then. We haven't moved the ball. One thing we did against Chelsea was move the ball from flank to flank quite well. We did give them problems and we haven't really done that. You know. mm-hmm. But they're much better performances. I mean, we've had three London derbies and three decent performances. Yeah. Away at Newcastle. Traditionally, our London derbies yeah. haven't been that good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think we did... I, I know it's difficult to judge. Tottenham was short of Deli Alley and a couple of others, but I, I think it was as much us making them look poor as it was them just being poor. Because yeah, even after they scored, there was no. They didn't suddenly start battering or step up again. Mm. We didn't panic. We just kept playing football. And it's actually quite. I I was quite pleased by that. And I know yeah. it sounds like a weird thing to say at one nil down, but 
Um, I think there's always the opportunity, isn't there, when you go one down to go go a little bit silly and throw caution to the wind, and then not even give yourself the opportunity to draw it back to one one, as we have done in some matches where you know we go one nil down, then really try to attack as as we did to a certain extent after. City got their first up at the City of Manchester Stadium. Yeah. We end up basically going, right, we need to throw a bit further yeah. forward. And it, it's not quite so, I suppose, savvy and it looks slightly more tactically naive to do that. Whereas we kind of took it on board the fact we'd gone one down against Spurs, but thought, right, there will be more opportunities in this game. Yeah. So keep it going a little bit as it has been before. Start to maybe throw a bit more forward, but don't go over the top. Mm-hmm. So I, I found that quite pleasing to watch, actually. Strange watching a league game at Wembley, on it? I didn't like it at all. Mm, really, weird. really odd experience, mm. especially that early in the morning on a Sunday, and just mm. and yeah, I mean, it, you don't get you don't get you only get a little corner rather than well, but even still, yeah, but it, I mean, without us, there would have been no atmosphere. No, I wanted to check. I don't, you know, I never watch games after we've lost, but I wanted to check on the highlights to make sure you could actually hear the noise. Yeah, which you could because yeah, but. It's, it must be odd for Tottenham fans as well, I think. Someone came out afterwards and said the Palace fans, I can't remember who it was, some pundits said the Palace fans were much better than the Spurs fans, which they obviously were. Yeah, yeah, right. What do you guys make of uh, Andy Carroll saying that the West Ham fans need to be more like Palace? Oh, really? I didn't see that. Uh, after, because they lost at Liverpool, uh, home to Liverpool, didn't they? Yes. I, I think and they'd was, all gone by about 1-2-0, yeah, and yeah, he yeah, said yeah. they need to be more like Palace staying till the end as they did week, a week before. Yeah. Uh, it's probably not going to endear him to their fans immediately all that much, is he it? He is right, though. Uh, it's probably not the wisest thing to say publicly. He's, but he's right. He is right, but the, the problem is cause they're in a much bigger stadium now and they've got a lot of fans who will be watching Premier League football for the first time. You know, And I'm guessing that if that was Upton Park, it wouldn't look half as empty as it did at the end yeah. because there's 30,000 more people in there also it's a bit you know, back, sort of self-back slapping a bit too much go you know look at him praising our fans aren't we amazing blah blah blah, blah. I kind of think well so what ultimately yeah. does it, oh, does because it we're decent fans and we deserve a bit yeah, of praise but I'd, I'd, yeah no we do deserve you a bit just of want validation at all points <laughs> don't you? have you not met me <laughs> we, get, we get a lot of praise but I'd rather be for, I'd rather be fourth in the table of actual points than mm-hmm. fourth in the table of decent fans with your half and half scarf yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ali Speaking asked me afterwards, why do you look so cross? Don't ask. Yeah. She said, was it streety? Yeah, of course it was. Just going back a bit to what you're saying, what, what do you guys think of Schlupp? Well, no, Andy says, what do you think of Schlupp in, in this more, def- not attacking, but more midfield role? Do you think it suits him or not? I, I, thought, I thought against Chelsea, that was one of the reasons we, we played so well, because they never got to grips with where Schlupp was, was playing, because he sort of, I suppose you'd call it, false 10 or whatever he was sort yeah, of yeah. dropping three roles but he was quite central but he was dropping deeper than Wilf and, and Townsend and they never really worked out whether to follow him or not mm. and I think he's I think he would rather play as an out and out wing back to be perfectly honest or an out and out left winger <laughs> but at, at Leicester he was used in several different positions I mean Schlupp was one of those players I think he was he's forced between two camps he's a really good championship player but not an outstanding Premier League player he's one that you would you would want in the squad but not necessarily starting the game and it's it's difficult because you don't know what he's been told you don't know what his role is you know what Hodgson's told him mm. told him to do but he's not quite he's not he's good at a lot of things but he's not outstanding at any of them and he's kind of defensively he's alright and then he's, he's he's not his position you know. maybe it's sort of a case for sort of set in certain games that you chuck him in there to mix things yeah. up but in other games maybe yeah. it's not I'd, I'd be happy with him as as a backup in the various positions. Yeah. And I suppose the utility is kind of one, one of the reasons that he 
is useful and why he's probably you know making an impact albeit maybe not the greatest one at the moment and why he's he's getting into the team but you would expect him to make way for for example Benteke when he's back and yeah. wouldn't expect him necessarily to be a pick I, when that does happen I don't think Pochettino would have been spending a lot of time on Friday talking to Tottenham players through the schlup dilemma <laughs> basically no one's you know no one's going to be man marking him yeah um, he must so. be doing something or giving some sort of service to Roy yeah, well, again, that's the thing. You do. That's <laughs> that a terrible. Up, yeah, that that came out very wrong. Yeah. Sorry, bad phrasing. You do, you, as I say, without without us knowing what Roy's asked him to do, it's, it's kind of difficult to judge what he's doing in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. It was very obvious against Chelsea. It's been less obvious in the games in the games since. since. I mean, he's quite sort of quite clearly plugging out. I'm not, I, I would rather see him. I'd rather have a left footed player at left back. To be perfectly honest, and that's yeah. the trouble. You suspect that if we are close enough to the rest of the division in January for us to buy players that one of them will be a left back <laughs> we, we bought two last year and we now well, got no, three fair, in the squad well, that's we, a fair point we've, seen, yeah. we've got three left backs and none of them can really defend well Van Arnholt well, I mean when he first came in he looked like a really useful Premier League defender didn't he he looked I thought he looked when he first all, came he in last right. January yeah he looked alright he seemed to be again better going forward but he seems to have just mm. lost all sort of confidence and ability and everything well, I don't think it it kind of helped his confidence to be even picked for the Bristol City game, let alone what happened during it with that horrendous howler. Yeah. Though, yeah, it's Doogie. I'm sure Doogie's out now looking for a proper defensive left back. Probably is. Speaking of the defence, though, do they need a bit more praise on Sunday because they kept Harry Kane, arguably what? the best striker in England, possibly Europe on form. Kept him really quiet. I know people have spoken about Gazaniga potentially being the man of the match. I actually thought Sacco was the best player on the pitch. I'd agree with that. I thought just it's just the anticipation. Just I I know sometimes you'd say, oh, he's having to make all these blocks and blah blah blah. And if he was brilliantly positioned, he wouldn't have be able to go to ground. It's just with him though, the the sheer foresight of where the ball's going to be at any point and and just where it's going to be delivered to just seemed to be in the way of absolutely everything. And yet not get dragged out of position and would still cover in. And there were were a couple of instances in which we managed to mess up a little bit. And uh, I think one of the instances in which Son went through and uh, I think it's Sacco ends up recovering back and sort of ushering him out. And just that ability to know where he needs to cover and what he needs to do at all times. Just Mm. a fantastic football. There was a 20 minute spell in the first half. When it just looked like he's, he had a magnet, in his, if, well, the, the, ball, the ball's not made of metal, so that doesn't make any sense, does it? But it was a 20 minute spell in the first half when it looked like they were deliberately passing to him because his positioning was so good and his yeah. anticipation was so good yeah. that he was just, he wasn't having to make tackles because he was just, he's just got a football brain. He's great and he's, he's, he's so solid as well from set pieces. And that's something we've, you only, you, you only kind of notice it when he's playing. You realise how much we've lacked that when it's Dan and Tompkins at the back. We haven't. He, he is one. He will attack the ball. He will attack. And if he can't attack the ball, he'll attack a player. And he will stop and get ahead. He's, you know, I thought he was outstanding. He certainly, was our best player. I thought. You do, on, you do on sometimes Sunday. think that he forgets he's playing on eleven side football, not street football. He did that mm. little pirouette on the halfway yeah. line, right in front of Harry Kane as the last man. Yeah. It was such a dangerous thing to do, but he's so supremely confident yeah. that it just doesn't matter to him, does it? Well, he doesn't mm. let it. You know get the better of him obviously there was that uh, not so advisable back heel against Chelsea <laughs> yeah. and clearly that's not discouraged him from being equally flamboyant in future matches so that's kind of what you want someone who's not going to shy away yeah. you want players who not only are going to take ownership while they're on the pitch but not 
shirk their responsibility once something goes wrong and hide. And you know, with him, you know, he, he could he could have messed that up and ended up with Harry Kane going through and scoring, and it, would, it wouldn't affect how he played. No. Yeah. Which, which maybe you'd hope it would, yeah, yeah. but um, you, you'd know that he would just carry on in exactly the same manner. Should he have scored that volley in the second half? I think it was. It sort of came to him. Lebapo looked a bit surprised, took a touch in the box. and should he, Roy, Roy called that the best chance of the game, better than yeah. the Wolf one. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even remember that one. He's a, profe- yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a professional footballer, so my dad would say, yeah, of course he should, but we, none of us have been... Well, in fact, the only goal I ever scored in Sunday football came in a similar situation. So, <laughs> really? If I scored mine in that, and well, that was in about 209 games, by the way. But <laughs> and it wasn't at Wembley. How do you know it wasn't at Wembley? Well, are you right? It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? I don't know. I nearly scored at uh, two of the Mitchell's ground ones. Really? Yeah. That's a claim to fame. That's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, of course, you, it's, uh, you, no, I don't think you'd ever blame a centre-back for missing the chance in those circumstances. And also, uh, Palace fans, are, I don't think Palace fans ever really get on somebody's back especially not he's already earned, in the short time he's been at the club he's already earned enough breathing space for mm. no Palace fans going to ever go in for, yeah. for anything going wrong to be perfectly honest speaking yeah. of breathing space should you have a break from part one nice and uh, nice. he is working hard I've been putting the work yeah. in uh, we're going to have a break from part one and in part two we've got questions from our listeners so Johnson a bit Hello and welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Pod 231, sponsored by Vector Printing. For all your printing embroidery needs, go to vector.co.uk. Is a Vector with her? Okay. Hey. And JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Oh, very nice. That sounded more like John from JCIS there, didn't it? Thank you. Oh, yeah. it did a little bit. Yeah, yeah. more radio. Sort of radio He's got a very voice. distinguished Thank voice, you. isn't he? He has got a distinguished voice. Yeah, yeah. He's got a he very has. distinguished bearing well, as well. He does TED Talks and so forth, so you'd expect yeah. him to be quite good with his oratory. Yeah. Mm, does nice. he? Thank TED you. Talks. Huh? TED Talks. Yeah. Do you not know what TED Talks are? I know what they are. I just don't know why we can't call them talks. Oh. Basically. What does a TED stand for on TED Talks? I don't know. Kevin? I, don't, no. I didn't ask I'm the really question. I didn't, ask, about, yeah. I didn't raise the subject of TED Talks, did I? I think you should ask the person who raised the subject of TED Talks to us. Well, why don't we ask uh, JCIS when he's, when he's on next? Yeah, typical. When he's on that's next, a, that's a lawyer's him. response, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, deflection. It's outside yeah. the scope of my instructions. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, questions from our listeners. The first question comes from Perry Morris. Oh, hi, hi, Perry. He says, how were the beers at Victoria early doors? They were okay. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. I discovered the Weatherspoons app. If you've not what? discovered the Weatherspoons oh app, God. it will change your life. For the better they will or... Even, for the better. They will even deliver... As long as you get a table, it sounds right. like I'm working for them, and of course I'm not. Uh, they will deliver beers to your table via the app. Table service table in Weatherspoons. Ser- table service of just beers in Weatherspoons. They only had three people behind the bar. They couldn't have spared one to <laughs> well, start they were, doing table service. I, I was brought a Guinness in three and a half minutes from ordering wow. the app. It was brilliant. Wow. Changed my life. So what I'm going to start doing now is, you know, you've got the secret millionaire. I kind of feel well. like I might start ordering random pints to random pub tables just throughout the country. Just like gift a Jagerbomb here. Why? Gift arches and lemonade there. Just, you know, to be benevolent. Oh, that's a nice idea, isn't it? Random yeah. acts of kindness just in the, in the Weatherspoons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you, yeah, you could do that if you want to. I mean, it's low-level charitable work. I'll give you that. But 
that, that so because of that it was a very good uh, yeah. very good excursion to yeah. I to think, I think to, <laughs> to, to a great deal. No one's ever said that before. <laughs> to, to answer the question, I think you know, I think we all agree that a pint of Guinness is always at its best at quarter past eight in the morning. Yeah, on a, absolutely. On a, on a drafty railway station, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> nothing. There is that kind of sense of uh, it's just the look on the faces of ordinary people getting off a train at that time in the morning just going what the those people are drinking Guinness it's quarter past eight uh, okay Martin Patrick hi, hi Martin. Martin says which is better 140 or 280 characters it's a, it's a, twi- well, it's a Twitter question I, uh, I, I'm a bit torn on this because I think you get used to the brevity don't you and, and, and being a bit punchy and concise and now all of a sudden I've got double says the guy that gets paid by the second that's true well, yeah, but I've got used to the format now, so I've, I'm not really used the long tweet yet. Don't you have to get? I thought you had to be invited to. No, everyone, everyone's got it now. Really, it's been rolled out to the whole of Twitter. I wish I'd known that on Sunday when I was going on about a song. I would have <laughs> <laughs> would have been twice as long. I the did only not thing know I don't that. like though is obviously people have now got into this whole doing threads on Twitter. Yeah. I occasionally do it myself. Yeah. I can be guilty of this. That's cool. Yeah, but threads with with 280 character tweets, they're just going to go on forever, aren't they? They're little novels, aren't they? Yeah. What like what sort of thread? I mean, like it's where people reply to. Yeah, I know what the thread is, but I'm just wondering what sort of thread you did. Well, it depends I, on the quality I'm of not, the thread. What, what thread I did? Yeah, did you it was do a Freddy, something particularly boring. Did you do a Freddy thread? It wasn't a Freddy thread. <laughs> Freddy thread. <laughs> it was about his clothes, yeah. so it was a Freddy thread thread. All right. Yeah. Nice. And okay. It was about his breakfast. Would that be a Freddy Shreddy thread? <laughs> <laughs> a Freddy Teddy Shreddy thread. Yeah. I think so. Some people don't need 240 characters, do they, really? Or even 280, as you now have. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a special 240. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Always different. Okay. Uh, Ultra Freestone. Oh, hi, Ultra. Ultra. Says, how would you explain Palace's position in the table to my six and nine-year-olds who are super keen supporters, have only really known them to be in the Premier League and not doing quite so badly, other than typical Palace? Well, you can tell them that I barely ever buy a round and I've put 100 quid on us staying up. I'm that confident that we're going to stay up. That's true. Is that the 100 quid you bet with me? No, another 100 quid. Yeah. Or you could tell them that the world is full of misery, starvation, hunger and civil wars. It doesn't really matter where we are. In a... They've got to learn at some point, haven't they? Yeah. That's a be... slightly more nihilistic way. If they're going to be oh, Palace fans for the rest of their career, they need to work. To, to, well, tell them that we are very, very top of the championship. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, that's actually that's true. Actually, yeah, yeah we are. We're very yeah, yeah. top of the championship. Do you, have, do you have to be nihilist to be a Palace fan? No. Well, do you, uh, what's your definition of nihilism? Uh, whatever the standard definition of nihilism <laughs> yeah, is. Well, politically, it's everything you know is a lie. Right. Basically. So that kind of applies in a way. So the Premier League table is a lie. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, it's funny. I'm with Andy though. It's that strange. People who support other teams keep trying to taunt me at various offices and studios, and I'd still. As I say, I'm really quite calm about it because I don't... A, our luck has to turn. B, we'll get some more players in in January, I hope. And C, I, I, don't, I do think we're a decent team. It's not... I remember seeing Sunderland a couple of times last season, this, t- this time last season. It's like, you knew, yeah, they're going to go down. There's no way, two ways about it. And it's like, I'm not saying we won't, but I'm saying I don't think we will. Well, we well, certainly made things a bit more difficult for ourselves than they should have been. But anyone who says that the table at this time of the season is yeah. always utterly conclusive uh, as to who is the better or worst team. You'd have to go back and go, right, okay, so under Alan Pardew in 2014-2015, were we the fourth best team in that that's, league? Because yeah. Yeah. that's where we were uh, around this yeah. time. Yeah, and we're roughly where we were in our first season in the Premier League. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah. and frankly, that that's the way of looking at it. Unfortunately, it could well go through us having an entirely unlucky season. 
Yeah. The same way that Leicester had a perfect run of luck when they won yeah. the title. Yeah. We could have the inverse Leicester. We could go down despite playing... But the odds of that happening... Yeah, but there are also... There, know, are, really there, are, there are a lot of teams like Huddersfield and Brighton who have only played one or two teams out of the top six so far. And we've had the three we've hardest had, games that you'd get, which yeah, is we've had two Manchester, United, Manchester games, Tottenham, yeah. Chelsea. Well, look, we've had, right. Speaking on that subject, we've had a lot of questions from people asking about, about luck. And I feel like we have spoken about that before on the pod, but I'm just going to give you a few of their questions. Mark, Mark and Mark and Shins, Hi, Mark. I can't get it. 1967. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. <laughs> says after Sunday's display, yet another good display and another defeat. Do the panel think we've run out of luck in the Premier League after four years of fighting? Joe Goodburn. Hi, Joe. Hi, says Joe. worst luck in the league? Question mark. And Andy O. CPFC. Hi, Andy. Says who pissed off the gods of football this summer? I can't think of any other reason why everything is going against us. I think. We all know Palace was a special case. We all, you know, <laughs> we all know we argue about which whether you turn left or right out of the bunny hole from the Porsons. But I, I'm guessing that most football fans would consider themselves to be the unluckiest team in the league at any given time. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, you could you could argue that against Chelsea, another referee would have given a foul against Sacco. Yeah, referees refereeing's not really down to luck. And I mean, it's a, it's a cliche, but the higher up the table you are, the more lucky you seem to be. And there will be. I, I thought Roy Hodgson's comment afterwards was, "I'd rather we play badly and and won the game." Yeah. But we will we'll get we'll get some luck at some stage. Something will happen. Mm. And Roy's yeah, very right. good at deflecting questions away from blaming referees and stuff, isn't he? Do you know? What? I think I've been more. I have to say, I've been more impressed with Roy Hodgson's performance in front of the media than I was at the start. Because we talked about, I thought his comments after the Man United game were were poor, and he looked like a manager who looked. What, what did he say then? He said about it's. I've got a, a championship player playing up front. I've never heard of uh, what's um, Ladapo. Ladapo. I've never heard of him or the club he'd come from. <laughs> I yeah. doing that ironically. Yeah, so no, I wasn't. Actually. No. I was doing it as a middle-aged man. Uh, but um, but I think he's been far more assured. I think he seems more comfortable in the job, and I think. I think it's interesting that he keeps saying that we're ahead of where Fulham were when he took took them over. Mm. So I do. I've yeah, and again, you see, you don't get any sense. Like you, you look at West Ham in the past couple of weeks, and you've got a sense of a team in crisis. You, at the moment, you don't get any sense of that from from. But you sort of did around the Southampton game. It looked like it could go either way, but at the moment you don't get any sense of that at all. You, there's a, seems to be a sense of calmness about the play. There seems to be a sense yeah. of but there's no pan, there's no panicking or anything. Seem to be. And also, I think as well. I mean, that might be that might change after because we have got winnable games coming up, so that that may change. But I no, I, I think I do think we're going to be all right. And if we're not, I think we'll so be it. <laughs> so be it. And that's the, the, the five-year-old and the nine-year-old will have to learn that. We're not going to be, and let's be, let's be fair. Look, if we don't get relegated this year, we'll be relegated some year. But well, they're going to learn that you know, at some point, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Just bring them to the Paulsons. We'll show them what the real life is about. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say something then? No, I wasn't. No. Oh, okay. I'm going for the next question. Okay. Uh, well, speaking of you know going down on stats and stuff, David Manley has just pointed out that according to one site, and this is. The 538.com, but I'm sure there are other um, studies and stuff going on. 41% is our chance of going down or staying up. I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, still, well, that's quite, that could be quite a big skew <laughs> so, yeah. there. We're either a lot more likely than I not think to stay it's 41%, up or to go down. I think it's 41% to go down. Okay. Well, we're still, <laughs> we're not going to finish mid-table, but 
I think West Ham, Swansea, West Brom, Stoke, Leicester, I'm still convinced one of the promoted teams will be struggling mm. down. We've got to finish above three teams and I think we are capable of finishing above three teams. The difficulty is, and we've said this before as well, Steve Parrish is in a dilemma. If, we're, if we are 10 points behind come January, what does he do in terms of getting players in? Does he, you know, he can't admit defeat and say we're not, we can't stay up. But at the same time, you can't bring players in on Premier League contracts if you're fairly certain. That and it's harder to bring them in. Of course it is. So, I, you know, I, ultimately I though, I mean, uh, if you go back and aside from that Pardew season where we started really well, we've started pretty badly in every single Premier yeah. League season that we've had. And if you look at where we've been on Boxing Day in 2013, 2014, yeah, 2016, and where, where we could end up being in 2017. There's not a lot of difference. I think. As long as we pick up maybe three yeah. wins in the next, I don't know, eight games, yeah. nine no, games, sure. which is, is very achievable to pick up, you'd hope, three out of those eight. Mm-hmm. We will be pretty similar to what we were yeah. at Christmas time in each of those four years. Yeah. And, and we stayed up pretty comfortably each of those times yeah. apart from where we had to beat Hull or more or less the last... Was it the last day or more or less the last no, day? second last second day. Second last day. Last day. The first two seasons we stayed up. Let's be honest, we, we were a Championship team that managed to stay in the Premier League, and yeah. we our first eleven is a Premier League first eleven. It's how dare uh, you say that about a team that had Wilbraham and, uh, and Dobby o- up front and, o- and O'Keefe. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> Um, speaking of the points, though, my dad said to me, "Hello, uh, my dad, my dad, JD, JD <laughs> Senior, um, that in that's the first season, the second season." Not the Pardew season where we had 30 points or something at Christmas. Fifth, yeah. but, the, but then last season as well, going into Christmas, it, it, in three of those seasons, we had 16, 16 points. 16 points, yeah, we did. Which was consistent. And that, being as we are on four points now, and we obviously we stayed up in those seasons, yeah, yeah. that's very achievable given the run four we've got wins. coming up. Yeah, we need four wins to be... Oh, we right. need four wins in eight games to be in that similar yeah. situation. And given the position, opposition we've got coming up. Well, it is, and also because it does look like, you know, touch wood, which I'm doing at the moment, uh, for the purposes of those listening sort of through plastic that's, anyway. that's right I don't hear the massive boom going through go. the microphone yeah, yeah. Uh, our home record does look like it's we're starting to look better at home mm-hmm. much so, better yeah. yeah and yeah, I, yeah let's 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 regroup. Let's, in fact, let's not do any more pods until the week before Christmas. You, you, you kind of expect that eventually pundits and fans would stop going in November. They're definitely down. They did it about Swansea yeah, last yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. They did it about Palace under Holloway to start. If they always go, yeah, yeah. they're gone. They're, they're gone. gone. They're they're absolutely gone. Yeah. no way about it. And you look at it, all it takes is stringing two wins back to back. And then you're straight back in the mix. Hmm. How many of us said last November when Swansea were on, I think, five points after 12 they're games gone. or thereabouts they're, they're gone, gone. Yeah, they're and gone. then they went and beat us 5-4 and they, yeah, they yeah. sparked on a really good run and they were nowhere near relegation really in the end when yeah. it came down to it so I, I do wish people would stop being quite so fatalistic in yeah. and even the very j- early stage of the season because it just ends up looking a bit silly and I think you said it Andy as well it's only really the first 44 minutes of the Man City game we looked alright second yeah. half it fell apart a little bit the only game that we've looked for 90 minutes poor was Man U yeah, every other since game the there's, ball, been a, yeah. there's been a spell. Since, yeah, yeah since there's the been ball. there's been spells where we've we've been in the game, and we look like a team that's on an upward trajectory rather than a team that's suddenly, you know, Swansea and West Ham. You would be more worried about because it, it's going to be harder. You, and even Everton, you, you watch their highlights against 
Watford. Watford. Now I say this, they're probably going to absolutely smash us next game. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they they score, a, what, a 95th minute penalty yeah, yeah, yeah. and still manage to throw it away nearly yeah, yeah. by giving away a penalty. Yeah, yeah. Tom Cleverley has to skew badly. Yeah, yeah. The, the first guy they managed to give away, Jordan Pickford, who I actually really rate, is, is having a bit of a mare with various things at the moment and um, gives away a really soft penalty. They, they they get caught high up quite often with probably the slowest centre-back pair that's in the league. I think yeah. they're, they're ones that, you know, they'd be looking at it and going, oh, we've spent £140 million here, we've got terrible defence, yeah. Yeah. really. So there's plenty of teams who I think, yeah. and you would expect as well to a certain extent that the promoted teams would eventually start running out of steam a little they will. bit. There's, there's, yeah. At least one of them will be will go down without... Yeah, um, well, we all know which one we hope that is. Yeah. And they're all celebrating also, being eighth in the table, but it's a very yeah, long yeah, season. Courses. But also, and all, bear in mind that we've got a lot of these teams to play twice as well. But also, I think that Everton Watford result was actually a really good result for us because they're going to spend two weeks going, "Oh, we're great, we're fine, we're we're safe now." After we mm. scraped one against Watford, and again, Watford, I think, will t- our team will. They're not as good as their league position suggests. So I think Everton will turn up against us, thinking they they've turned the corner already, and I think that will play in, into our favour. They will probably have also. a new manager though at the same time. You'd imagine. <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, who might that be? Well, well, I mean, that would be. You'd you'd like to think he'd have the common sense to say, "Can I take the job after that game?" If he does take the job, yeah. but even even apparently there are rumours that he wants a relegation clause in his contract. So that doesn't give you the most. We're talking about Sam Allardyce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was so, rumour today as well that yeah. actually they want to give it to David Unsworth. I saw the latest thing. Was it here we talked about? I don't think Everton fans would be delighted that Allardyce was their manager. So I what you mean that Sky, Sky said on Sky Sports that Sky sources thought that Sam Allardyce was going to take the job he then dropped a 6-1 to one on <laughs> as, uh, at Sky Bet where loads of bets went on and then he might not get the job I mean it's not as bad as saying that Pellegrini's been linked with the Palace job but yeah, it was yeah. Pellegrino for the same reason I think Allardyce has clearly decided he wants to get back into football despite everything he said even on TalkSport with me three weeks ago that he, would never, he, he was done that was it he was happy oh, really happy, actually yeah he's happier than he'd ever been I think because he's turned up he's, uh, across the weekend he turned up on three or four different shows so he's quite clearly putting himself out there but I think I think in the same way that West Ham every single West Ham fan I know is either disappointed or furious about David Moyes coming in mm. I think Everton fans would think that Allardyce coming in is a he's not as big as their club you know, yeah. Everton are a big club mm. And you know he's not going to save every team. You know, and if if he if he was feeling in the same fragile psychological state that he's talked about, I mean, it's going to be quite difficult for him to turn that. He doesn't fit the mould of an Everton manager, not, does he? No, not at all. Not no. at all. What do you think about Moyes to West Ham? Is that good or bad news for Palace? I think it's I think it's great news. I mean, it's not as good as Billich staying as manager, but I just I don't see how he's going to get them fitter. Young, he's got to buy younger players for start off. He's got he's got to get them fitter because they just looked. They looked a shambles against Brighton and against Liverpool. They just looked. Mm. Drainable confidence. They looked, really. It wasn't even that. They looked. It was a bit like us with Pardew. They just looked physically incapable of. of well, they look like a Europa League team, but one in two thousand and nine, don't they? Yeah. Basically, David yeah. Moyes, yeah. the likes of Zabaleta. Yeah. You know, there's various yeah, players yeah. there who are, you would say, not at their peak. Mark Noble. Mark Noble. Noble. Yeah. You know, Joe Hart's not the keeper. He, yeah, well, except against us, obviously. But, yeah. <laughs> obviously, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. There obviously there were, there were lots of reports emanating out of the Stadium of Light and Wearside last year, not last year, sorry, last season, well, last year and and this year, uh, effectively saying that he was quite dated in his approach to training yeah. and wasn't viewed as being sort of with it in terms of training methods or approaches to tactics would have a plan B for matches, but yeah. it would invariably be pretty inflexible, and he was just a little bit. Not really getting the players on board. 
and you would wonder whether or not he, he might have the same reception from some of the West Ham players I don't know maybe he'll prove us all wrong but he, he's failed now in three jobs in a row well that you know that's really interesting because that's not the way he spins it he's saying he had one bad season at Sunderland but well, he, he failed at Man United he failed in Spain yeah, yeah. I mean massively I mean, massively sacked by United yeah. and you would say even with the fact that they were always going to have a slight slump after Ferguson yeah to take them to seventh is yeah. not, not I good. I think he was on a hiding to nothing in United, to be honest. It was a, to a certain yeah, extent, but he did a very difficult job. And he was not the man, he just basically wasn't the man for But he did do as bad a job as could be expected. He did a very bad job, but he wasn't, he didn't have the qualities to do it. But also, I think a lot of the West Ham players will be looking at him and going, who's. Yeah, we're better than he is. Yeah, and I think he will get them fitter without a doubt. But I, he's not the sort of manager that you. didn't get Sunderland fit, though. No, that's a good point. And he's not the sort of manager you associate with organisation. Uh, you know discipline is not the sort of manager you associate with many things to be honest <laughs> not, not anymore I don't yeah. think you so can't I think look at it and go who, what sort of manager is David Moyes anymore and I think yeah. I would struggle Although, to answer what, that question do you think people would have been saying the same thing about Roy coming to us probably given the England thing you know given that he hadn't yeah. his reputation taken a battering as well yeah I, I, I think yeah. They, they would I think you probably got to distinguish it just because that came with the baggage of the England job Frankly, yeah, and I and think that you... came with the baggage associated with uh, certain Liverpool supporting journalists who had the knives out for him in the England job from the very start, who decided they didn't want him to succeed, and that's not necessarily why he didn't succeed, yeah. but it certainly didn't help with the post England reputation. And also, Moyes was a perfect fit at one club, Everton. You know, Hodgson Hodgson wasn't a disaster at Liverpool by any 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 means, but he was good at Fulham. He was good at West Brom. So Hodgson's got a, a, a more rounded reputation. Mm. Even I mean, talking to the Finnish lads a couple of weeks ago, they love him in in Finland because he managed their national team. He's managed in Scandinavia. So I think Moyes is a really odd fit for West Ham as well. Be, uh, as Allardyce was a really odd fit. Then West Ham fans hated Allardyce from the start, uh, right? Because he just they've got you know, the academy they've still got this view of a certain style of West Ham mm. play they expect a certain expansive yeah, where did that come from like, that academy thing it came from the it sort of came from so they recall them being like that in the 90s no they weren't well, their, their reputation was always in the if you look at the history of football like in the 60s and 70s like at, at Upton Park they played really good free-flowing football but away from home they were a laughing stock it's like was, I don't think they won in the north for like three seasons wow well, but obviously they won the World Cup of course in 1966 obviously but, yeah. but they, had, they had this reputation of bringing for years they had the reputation for bringing young players through through their own ranks so they got this nickname they, they styled themselves as a certain sort of football team yeah. and that's still it still hangs around the club that sort of that, you know, Tottenham expect their team to play in a certain way, and, and Moyes is Moyes is not associated with that sort of football. And, and also, you kind of think they're a big London team, so of course they will attract players. But Moyes is reputation. There's going to be a lot of agents saying, well, "I don't really want my players to go to a David Moyes team." To be perfectly honest, in mm. terms of sell-on value, somebody like Mikel Antonio, I don't think he's. A, I don't think Moyes will take to him and. At all, because I think Moyes will. Don't you think know. anyone's taken him at West Ham. <laughs> well, no, but he, well, they should do. But he's, I mean, he's, what? I mean, that's what I, I really felt for him after that one error, mm. because he's been a, a player that they love, and he's been a player. He's a good player. As he's well. a great player, but also yeah. on and off the field, his attitude is really, he's really, really good. It's like, yeah. um. All right, we've got a question here from Mike Benz. Hi, Hi Mike. Mike. He says, "I listen to the pod at one point five speed on my phone on the way to work." That's not a bad idea. Yeah, he says, the theme music sounds much better at oh, that speed. Do our voices sound higher at that speed? They must do. 
He says the music is more upbeat and positive. I think the slow, lethargic, normal speed version is affecting team performance. Well, our uh, team performance at Palace uh, hasn't hasn't specified. I don't think they so listen. Palace are listening to the pod before the match, and that explains a lot, <laughs> especially the change of goalkeeper. <laughs> well, speaking of the goalkeeper, we do have a question from Pasta Pocket. Hi, Pasta. <laughs> Hi, Pasta. Uh, about Jules. He says, uh, Chelsea, Newcastle, West Ham second half and Spurs were all markedly better performances than many prior games this season. How much of this is down to Spironi being in goal? Is he number one until January or the end of the season? Uh, I would put him to the end of the season, frankly. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of good available options who are going to be better than uh, at an affordable price frankly mm-hmm. um, I think after the after the boat sailed on Asmir Begovic I think would have been perfect yep. I don't think there's a huge amount else out there barring uh, Heaton not getting back into the team at, mm. at Burnley and him suddenly becoming available but even then you would expect him to be particularly expensive given that he's English and there aren't that many you know young decent English goalkeepers so you look at it really and you kind of think well who would we bring in and you, you think well maybe some of the options on the continent are a decent you know gamble Rono who we were linked with from uh, Denmark or Finland I completely forget Scandinavia Scandinavia yeah it's all, yeah, the, yeah. It's all the same isn't it JD wow yeah Barry Brexit yeah exactly uh, equally though it's, it's always going to be a bit of a risk whether or not it's him or chap from Eintracht Frank Eintracht Frankfurt whose name escapes me yeah um if they've not played in the Premier League before, you are taking a bit of a punt, bringing them in and putting them into the team in January. I think ultimately, Jules isn't getting any younger, so he's not going to have a ridiculous amount of time. But I don't see anything to suggest that he's got markedly worse, as some people like to say. It seems almost a bit of a cliche. I think, I think yeah. the, the interesting thing with Jules is that we all love him, so we so want him to be the reason. We so want to be able to say, yeah, Jules has made a big difference. And I... I think Sacco's made more of a difference to be perfectly honest I think but Sacco was playing before he, those he, games he was, as well he was but he's, he's, he's had a, he's had, yeah it's, that's true but I just I don't think I don't think I mean I'd rather have Julian in goal without a doubt mm-hmm. but I don't think he's the cause of any improvement to be perfectly honest I mean I I think well, having said that we haven't really had a settled centre-back pairing we're into the last no, yeah, we are. We does seem like with with Dan Saka, we are missed sort of, West Ham, didn't he? Did he miss West Ham? Well, he did. He Tompkins did, yeah. played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do feel with Dan yeah. Saka, we are starting to get there. But I think yeah, as well, I having Jules behind helps. I think that, so that, 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 that does help confidence-wise, without a doubt. It does help. And he's been in yeah. this position with Palace yeah. so many times before. Well, coming back and and basically reasserting himself. Well, I know, but also this position well, in terms of struggling in the league, he's very experienced. That just when we've got to dig in and put in those solid. Average performances. He's done that, hasn't he? Didn't mistakes you know in the last I, five I games? I don't remember. No. I, th- I think in the last four games, he, he's not really had that many saves to make, but I can't remember him being this vocal before when he's been in the first team. He's really, really vocal. He's talking all the time and he's really, you can see him, he's really organising, he's really chatting. That, he's really, he looks really switched on at the moment. He does, as well. yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's probably claim, wasn't it, in the first half yeah, yeah. on Sunday where he sort of spots the danger very quickly. It wasn't the yeah. most amazing bit of goalkeeping ever, but he sort of spots the danger pretty quickly. He goes out, clutches him, and actually asserts himself around his area. He, he looks to me like he is aware that this, I wouldn't call it last chance saloon because he could always oh, drop down really, a level, but yeah. in terms of asserting himself and staying in that team hmm. as Crystal Palace number one, then he knows that now is the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't see any reason that he can't do that. I, I don't see there necessarily being an issue with 
his age, people forget the fact that between 2004 and 2008, he didn't play any football. People forget that between 2014 and 2000, sorry, 2015, 2017, he didn't play much football. He's had six years there in his late 20s and early 30s where he's not played first team football and hasn't had the wear and tear of the recovery from playing those matches. The guy still looks as fit as a fiddle. Um, as far as I understand it, he's in the top three at the club for various fitness stats so, yeah. like flexibility, dead weight lifts, jump height, all the sort of stuff that you look at and say, is he still in top condition? And every indication from, from those people is, yes, he is in top condition. And until you start seeing him making mistakes that would suggest, right, his, his reflexes are starting to slow as happens to all of us as we get older eventually. Until that starts to happen, then I think, frankly, he's there on merit. Well, Tom, yeah. my cousin Tom said training with him is amazing he said he's just really really fit and really enthusiastic and really keen mm-hmm. and that was at a time last season when he wasn't getting anywhere near the first team but you know what's interesting well, by the way if we speak really fast will that really muck up the bloke who listens to it hopefully yeah, yeah. or yeah, if we speak really slow uh, will it then sort of even it out do you know what the, the big difference I think with uh, Hennessy and Sproli is, and is really noticeable on Sundays quite a few times when he came out picked a ball up collected a ball looked to play it quickly but realised there was no one on so just stopped, calmed down a bit, waited for people to get settled. Whereas Hennessy would have just lamped it anyway. And the amount of times you see Hennessy's just drifting back into the other goalkeeper and, and any impetus just gets lost. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought Julian is much cleverer than Hennessy in terms of... Because every now and again, he would roll one out really quickly. But when he saw there wasn't that option, he just takes a deal. It's, in fact, again, same as the Chelsea game. We joked about the fact we talked about game management earlier, but he's taking 10 15 seconds to get up. He goes down for a fairly easy save or a fairly easy gather, and he's taking his time to get up. And it's and like, even setting uh, up the, the attack yeah. at the end of the West Ham game, you know, that oh, it, it's great. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, and an yeah, experienced really keeper there maybe yeah, yeah. goes, Right, I've got to get it forward. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, in yeah. trouble here, absolutely yeah, just yeah. boot it down the middle, sort of play, yeah, very so, good you know, point. releases it. And some of us probably at that point would go, What's he doing? Why is he releasing yeah, it short? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's kind of one of those, well, I, if I put it down there there's perhaps a 30% chance that we yeah. were able to win it. If you give it to him here, the game's a little bit open. Yeah. Yeah. There's a chance here without the defence being compressed and deep that we might be able to do something. And it's that, it's that experience. And it, it's funny that people uh, are very quick to say that the reason that someone of his age has made a mistake is because of their age and yet aren't willing to necessarily accept that when they make really good decisions, it's with the virtue and the benefit of yeah. all those years of experience and having seen lots point. and lots and lots of scenarios of a similar type loads and loads of times. Yeah. He's clearly an absolute pro in the way he looks after himself. You yeah. say in the way he uses experience on the pitch. Yeah. And also, it's Jules. It's great having him back. It's a boost for the fans. It's, it's Julian. We love him. Well, that's that's a very good point because it, it means that when inevitably a mistake is made, it won't drain the life out of the stadium like it used to when, when Hennessy makes a mistake. And, it, and frankly, we'll, we'll he's not, he's not we'll even made them. one yet. No, he hasn't. No, it hasn't looked like that happening, but you kind of guess that it will. But yeah, well, yeah, he's a goalkeeper and they yeah, all make but mistakes. We'll, but we'll get behind him and it isn't, it, you won't see those immediate recriminations oh, here it's happened again. So yeah. that does make a big difference. Yeah. Well, speaking of players um, that we love or loved at Palace, Al, Hi, Al. Hi, Al. says, how do we feel about putting Glenn Murray in a fantasy team? <laughs> fantasy team of what? Fantasy, I, I don't, fantasy football. I you know, your current team. He's, he's, he's scored five goals. He's on form. Uh, I don't, I don't, play those games because I well I, I used to and then I'd do the thing where I get really excited about it for three weeks and then there's a Friday game and I haven't changed my team yeah. and I, I end up with like everyone's sent off and then I go well this is pointless and I don't play it for the next 44 weeks of the season or whatever so um, 
I don't personally play those. I know where the question's leading. <laughs> Let's be honest about it. Very loaded question. Uh, there's a, look, there's it, a lot it, of wisdom after the event with, with the Glenn Murray thing. Uh, he, he, where is it leading? Well, it's, it's, I, th- I think it's the, well, we shouldn't let him go thing, mm-hmm. basically. Well, and also there's a very big game coming up that he will play in probably against a yes. certain team in the end of November. Yes. There's a bit of wisdom after the event with the, the whole situation with Murray. Though. I, th- I think he had to drop down to the championship to start playing again regularly. He he wanted to go to get first team football and you could argue that he should have got a bit more before just before he left and that situation with the manager might have been the cause of various things there. But ultimately, yes, he's having a really good purple patch now and we know he's a good player. We know he's he's always had the intelligence, the movement, he's a wily sort of old stuff, pro, isn't but he? we didn't necessarily know that he would be able to string together enough in the way of sort of consistent football or find a team willing to play him regularly enough or where he could play ahead of other people to be able to do it at that level. And frankly, if anyone wants to say to me with a straight face that they'd be starting him over Christian Benteke, I would say, well, that's just a nonsense. You know, the guy has scored four goals in three three games and fair play to him. But will he outscore Christian Benteke over the course of the season? No. Even with Christian Benteke out injured for six months, uh, six months, so that'd be a bad six, six weeks. I, I don't think he will. Um, and yes, we would all love to have had him as an option to, to bring off the bench recently. That would have been amazing. But people seem to forget that footballers ultimately are human and they have their own agency and ability to decide whether or not they want to go somewhere else. And if someone wants to leave, you can't make them stay realistically unless you want to have an unhappy employee on your hands. Yeah. And people sometimes forget that. Sometimes forget the fact that players do want to make those decisions for themselves and do decide, well, maybe I want to go to Bournemouth and get some first-team football. He's doing he's doing better than I thought, but you have to look at the teams he's scoring the goals against and at the end of the season, see how many goals he scored against the top teams. Hmm. And then I, I absolutely agree with Andy. And I will say, come January, you won't see... You, you know, 10 teams in the Premier League won't be knocking down Brighton's door to buy Glenn Murray. He's I, having a really good spell and, and good luck to him. But as far as I'm, he's, he's in the Damien Delaney draw, as far as I'm concerned. You know, and let's I'm, be, let's be honest about it as well. If we had done what we should have done in the summer and brought in a backup striker or maybe even two if we'd have done it over uh, consecutive windows, we wouldn't be having this conversation. No. If we hadn't got to a period where Christian Menteke was out, we wouldn't be having this conversation. If we hadn't been missing chances that other other seasons would have gone in, even despite having been created by decent players and even having uh, fallen to people who are usually good finishers and hadn't had that ridiculous run of luck and all this sort of performance below expected goals happening, mm-hmm. we, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So a lot of it is sort of retrospective wisdom that I'm not a massive fan of personally. Yeah, or let Fraser Campbell go. Cambaldinho. Cambaldinho. <laughs> I, do, I, am, I am a little bit worried that, well, I'm very worried that Mario will score in that game on the 28th and there will be the one saying, for f**k's sake, Murray. And it would have gone full circle. Potentially. I'm worried about that. He might be injured. He might score a consolation goal for them right at the end. <laughs> Anything might, a lot of things might happen. Speaking of expected goals that you said on there, Andy, uh, loads of people, this seems to be a really hot topic at the moment. Loads of people are asking us about it. And it seems to be a big thing in the wider footballing community. Everyone talking about expected goals. Um, Paul Guilford. Hi, Paul. Paul. Says, can we score future games using expected goals rather than actual goals? <laughs> well, but my understanding, the way Andy tried to explain it to me before, I've worked out that there's one game we're going to score 91 goals in. 
Because I, I, I generally don't. I don't know why suddenly I, everyone's doing this expected. I don't think anyone fully understands it. Do you, can you give us an explanation, Andy? Yes. Yeah, he's already done it on this pod. I've already done it on this pod. Have you? In the season, yeah. Oh, I forgot, I'd forgotten it. Effectively, what, what it does is it assesses the quality of chances made. And it assesses the quality of chances made on the basis of historical data looking at equivalent chances that have been made over sort of 500,000 scenarios or whatever to basically assess within each particular chance the likelihood of a goal being scored. Can, and we, can we do that thing they do on radio where it, it fades into silence and it comes back again <laughs> with the last sentence? <laughs> Thank you very much. And ultimately, all it is, is it's an, a pretty objective way of looking at the quality of chances that you're, you're producing. And frankly, if you get to the end of a match and you have a higher expected goals rate than the other team, you should have beaten them. You might not have beaten them. And you might not have beaten them because you're unlucky. Or you might not have beaten them because you don't have a striker of note up front to finish off the decent chances. Or you might not have finished them because they've ended up hitting a ball when it's it's hit a beach ball and gone in via Pepe <laughs> yeah. Reina's left leg or something. You know, it, it, But the, the way it is useful is it's useful in trying to assess whether or not you should have got better from the match and whether, uh, whether, yeah. whether, whether or not the performance merited you looking at certain things in a certain way and go, well, we've absolutely battered them here today. Yeah. So it is quite a good metric for measuring performance. Well, it's, it's a similar way that it's, it's just a more quantified way of looking at things than the same way that we might go to the Porters art and go, I don't know, we've lost that match. We've created a million chances mm. and we should have scored at least four of them and here are these four chances. It's just a more calculated and, and more precise way of looking at things in that manner. And it's useful because it kind of lets you know whether or not you're doing the right things. Because if you are, are losing matches and you're not creating any chances and that metric says you're, you're not very good, frankly, <laughs> you know that there are things to change. Yeah. If, if you've got a ridiculous score in that, that level, of course it's not going to win you a match and you still want to change that and you still want to end up actually putting the ball in the net. But it does tell you, look, we're doing something right here. Maybe, that, maybe there are specific little things we can tweak to actually mean that we actually win some football matches. This is going to sound like a real layman's question here. It may also sound like I wasn't fully paying attention <laughs> when you were speaking then, but after our seventh game of the season when we hadn't scored any goals, yeah. why wasn't our expected goals per game nil? Well, because it wasn't expected, that was actual. Well, exactly, but yeah. then why was anyone suggesting that we would score? Because it's not based upon what you have in fact done in those matches with those chances. It's looking at those chances on the basis of what those chances were like rather than what the outcome of those chances was. But it is, right. so it is like, objective though. So it's so like it's when not... I was 19, my expected chances of getting off of a girl was still quite high despite experience proving that it was really, really unlikely. Depends is on it? the situation, clearly. Oh, I see, okay. I don't so think I've doing ever heard right. anyone use that analogy for football <laughs> stats before. Well, can I, can I, I like it. It would have been encouraging at the time. Well, yeah, I think so. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you then that, that according to the um, expected goals or XG as they're known, um, Palace, if they had converted the chances they created, would be eighth in the table yeah, well, and would ha and would have twelve points more than they have now, which is the biggest swing in the league. So does that make you feel a bit more confident no, that we're actually no, going in the right direction? To paraphrase my actual uncle, if my auntie had bollocks, he'd be my uncle. Isn't like, that's what he used to say all the time in every given circumstance, but. Not, not really, no, because we haven't and we're not. But we clearly are not playing badly. No, we're, we're not. We can see the evidence of our own eyes indicates that we're not playing badly. And but we're also not eighth. Test your eyes. We're yeah. also not eighth in the table. No, we're not. We're very far <laughs> from eighth <laughs> in the table. <laughs> but clearly we're not doing... I mean, Roy is very much of that vein as well. He says it's that same thing. It doesn't matter. You go out there and, and it... Well, it doesn't matter, matter, does it? 
no, and until you... such times we can phone up the Premier League and say you've made a mistake yeah that's true that's true yeah. that's true but I guess it does it is a stat that can give Palace fans a bit of confidence can't it Andy it's a stat that says that we are not as terrible as the league table suggests and that all things being well and if you end up getting a ding 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 regression to the mean uh, <laughs> thank you very much thank you very much the retro, retro oh, I wish I'd put money on that this pod excellent uh, then you should improve and you should see your team go further up the table than they, they are at the moment and that's that's all it's saying that's going to sound it's saying do we have to, should we well, be ultra pessimistic here because we're playing as badly as for example Sunderland were last season yeah. or are we doing yeah, effectively what Swansea were last season mm. where they were probably going to improve although they're actually terrible under Bob Bradley mm. so perhaps not the best example are, are we are we likely to continue in the vein that we are in terms of results or is it more likely than not that they'll improve and you kind of think I'm gonna, that, I'm gonna that listen it to, should I'm going to listen to this pod just to hear what ding 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 regression to the mean sounds like <laughs> 1.5 speed <laughs> sounds like ding 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 regression to the mean well in the same way that in 2015 under Alan Pardew we were massively overperforming we yeah, yeah. and we regressed yeah, to, to something the mean, at that the, point yeah, yeah. we are underperforming now and, and history would suggest that we will do the same thing well the interesting the thing in that season as well is that people who were looking at it said you should expect it to get worse yeah, uh, because okay. this this is unsustainable yeah. we cannot keep winning matches luckily in the manner that we yeah, have yeah, and here's cool. the objective metric that shows that we are being yeah. fortunate in and winning these matches to be right. yeah. and it was proven to be correct so can you apply the same to this season well you'd hope so but as I said, Leicester outperformed themselves for an entire season based on what they should have got from results and won the title. There's every chance yeah. that over a course of a 38-game season, you could underperform based on the performances and end up going down. But those chances, those chances for Leicester were 5,000 to 1, according to some bookies. So, you, you know, that, that those are the long odds that that will happen to Palace this yeah. season. If you, uh, having Probably said, shorter now, given how badly we've started. I don't, yeah. I don't disagree with anything you say, but over a 38-game season, if you go down, you deserve to go down. Basically, you cannot you cannot by win that, by that. You cannot win a five-a-side tournament by being unlucky. You cannot win the FA Cup by being unlucky. But over thirty-eight games, you can the, win the Premier League by being lucky. Leicester have shown that. That's slightly different over the word, but that it doesn't because your luck changes according to the psychology changes because halfway through the season, teams approach Leicester in a different way than they would have done at the well, start this, of the this season. Is, that's so, an interesting point actually no, because the one thing you would say is that yes, we have been very unlucky based upon the matches, how we played, all yeah. these sort of ways of looking at things if you want to look at it in a metrics type way but eventually psychology does come into it and, and to, to, to the players start thinking right we're playing really well we're not getting the results yeah. is, mm. does that then lead to actually a tail off in the performances yeah. and you're not starting to produce the sort of chances yeah. you were and there's there's a chance that that could yeah. happen if as well if you remember the Leicester game at Solos Park we approached it like it, we were playing Real Madrid Yeah, gave them far too much respect so that that does happen but I do I do genuinely think over the course of the season the worst, the worst three teams will go down mm-hmm. And on the, but on Andy's point there, Roy... not one of the worst three teams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. Roy did say after the game that his job now is to keep the players believing that if you keep doing these good performances, points will come. Yeah, so will. exactly, to stop them doing exactly what you said, losing confidence yeah. in their own ability because yeah. they will deserve to get those points from these performances. Yeah. But there's, there's actually a really good article on the BBC at the moment about expected goals if anyone wants to read something well, that's slightly more coherent. Well, why didn't you say that 15 minutes ago? Well, <laughs> we could have gone, we could have gone <laughs> straight into the end of the then, pod. Then you, wouldn't have, then you wouldn't have engaged. <laughs> well, we'll tweet that out from FYP as well, yeah. Well, you can. I'm not going to well, do that. We will t- tweet that link that Andy just suggested now. I was um, you WhatsApp today, didn't you? On the... Yeah, I, I WhatsApped it to you. Yeah. I thought it would wind you up sending you something mm-hmm. so metrics based, and it did. So, <laughs> well, m- this, has mission been a good, this has been a good discussion. I enjoyed that. That was, yeah, that was you're welcome. Good. Final question this week <laughs> is from Them Jackster. Hi, Them. Hi, Them. He says, Will you guys be doing a forfeit if we do manage to stay up? I just, I, I've already indicated in this pod I've put substantial money on it staying up. Why am I no. going to do a forfeit for something that I bet on? 
Like one of these days, I'm going to swim naked across Fort Heath Pond. But <laughs> you're going to have to. <laughs> I'm going to have to do it. I might just do it anyway. <laughs> no, I, I think we're no, going to we'll stay. Get the t- definitely get. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Are we, are, Why I mean, do we have to do a forfeit? Well, we did, we did say we get, we did say we'd get tattoos about four years ago. We should have had about I've eight. Got one. We should be covered in tattoos <laughs> by now, basically. <laughs> I'm why get why one you that, got that one went point. away about 18 months ago and everyone forgot about it? And no, now you've revived it. We get it. questions most weeks about the tattoos. So people have Yeah, people haven't forgotten. I fill them out. We I've, people got, people I've, I've, I've seen the tattoo I want. What is it? Somebody, Paul from the Gravatics, has got a brilliant palace tattoo. So What is it of? It's of the original Crystal Palace. Oh, okay. That's oh, okay. really detailed. What, as in the original badge or just the original the actual... Bit of, bit of both. Paul's yeah. not showing that to me. I might have to... Well, you know. That's that's how, <laughs> yeah, well, the question is... Mine's going to be an expected goals map of our <laughs> game against Tottenham. <laughs> with which we, which we won 1.5 to 1.4. Yeah, with Endicott's Which obviously gave me a lot of solace. <laughs> right. Um, let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much for your questions. Sorry we couldn't read them all out, but please keep sending them in. We do appreciate them. Uh, after the break, we're going to preview Palace's next game, which is in two weeks after the international break at home to Everton. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Pod 231, sponsored by Vector Printing. For your printing board, if you need to go to vector.co.uk and it's Vector Weather. Hey. Did that sped up, so uh, yeah. Um, or JCOS, Global Research Brand Consultancy from Southern Numbers. JCOS, I will. Oh, I, re- um, I completely ruined that. Um, Palace versus Everton is the next game. I've heard that sponsors really like it when you can't <laughs> hear a single thing that's said about their they company. They know who it is anyway. Yeah. Um, we're no pod next week. International no. break, so we're going to take a take a break. Um, but after that, we come back and Palace are at home to Everton, and we've had a few questions regarding that. And the particular manager who we did reference earlier might be in charge. Uh, Panda Arms One Hundred One. Hi Panda, oh, that's a great name. Pan- Hi Panda. Says, uh, will the two million quid we get from Fat Sam's? I'm just going to call him Sam from Sam's retirement gig at Everton go towards new cladding on the Arthur, <laughs> or help us extend the sticky tape and Meccano fan zone? <laughs> fan zone looks I've not been in it it looks great the fan zone I've not it I looks great been in it. I feel I like that was another loaded question yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit the Arthur needs more than cladding it needs well it's not going to hurt yeah. is it if, if to the extent the reports are correct mm-hmm. and obviously I think only someone reviewing that contract would know exactly what it means yeah. and, and what it says um, to the extent it's correct that two million quid would make its way to Palace and we, we will be looking at new players in January Having the availability of that I don't cash think, like I don't, that cannot be a bad thing. I don't think we're getting two million from him. We, my understanding is, we withheld the two million. Well, see, that's uh, what I've heard as well. But he again, another, if, if he takes another club within two years, yeah, but he's a wealthy man, so I imagine Everton will be offering that. And Everton are a wealthy club, so it's, it's yeah, I'd pocket money. I still would you. I, I'd be I'd be surprised if so, I don't want to get too far into speculation on this for obvious reasons, but I would be surprised if someone as experienced as Sam Allardyce would agree not to have the bonus paid to them for two years but also you look at Unsworth you know, they won was that his only league game oh no they they lost to, away to Leicester yeah looked poor in the Europa Cup yep but they won his only game at Goodison Park he's to use the cliche one of their own he's an Everton legend yeah, yeah. I don't Absolutely. think I think a lot of Leicester, Everton fans will be upset at one of their own being overlooked for firefighters so also it's, you know Allardyce <laughs> <laughs> Made it perfectly plain that he, you know, he, he sees himself as more than a firefighter. He sees himself, but even at his age, he, he's not going to be manager of Everton for the next three. I don't. It doesn't. It's not a good fit for me. It's, it's an odd. 
Equally, you can understand no. it to a certain extent, though, in that it's in the northwest. His family are obviously still in Bolton, right, yeah. or, or or near nearby to there. And it's going to be his last opportunity for a club of that size and stature for him to manage in club football. It's a big club. But having said that, it's also, he re-established his reputation. He kept Palace up. I think it'd be not harder to keep Everton up because they're a bigger team with more resources. But he's got to do it in some style mm-hmm. for his reputation not to be tarnished mm. after what he did with Palace. And or his reputation not to still be a firefighter. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I've, he... he I don't think Sammy Lee would be an acceptable choice for Everton fans with his Liverpool background. I think it's a... I mean, it'd be a really... Obviously, he would want the job, but I... But, I mean, ultimately, like, he had that risk of the fact it could go badly wrong when he took over at Palace. I know there was yeah. the, the the fact that there was an angle at rehabilitation of his reputation and all that sort of stuff that, that probably made it a, an easier sell. But equally... If you've been out of the game and all of a sudden you got the bug to go back into it and you're offered a, an opportunity of that stature at that club and you've always... And he's made various noises before about the fact he doesn't feel that the jobs that he's got have been commensurate with his level of ability. Mm. If all of a sudden you're faced with the potential opportunity of managing a club of the size of Everton, it'd be difficult for someone in his, his position to turn that, down, I'm I not think. saying he would turn it down, but I'd, oh, I just think Everton fans... But also it's not without his risks. So the yeah, the, the thing that. is, when he took our job, if, we, if he hadn't kept us up, Nobody would have said oh, he's a bad manager. Everyone would have said, "Well, we had no chance. Mm-hmm. We were a basket case. Of course, yeah. we were going to go down. Even Allardyce couldn't." If he if he gets Everton to fourth, fifth, bottom, I think Everton fans are going to be happy that he carries on for another two years. Of course, they won't be. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he'll attract the level of the level of player that Everton will want to to bring into the club. I imagine somebody like Rooney would be over the moon. Some of the, and players like Baines, you know, they they've got a relatively old squad who probably would be happy to see Allardyce come in. And he would they like did have a bit of falling out in his one and only England game yeah. well, him and Rooney didn't they did they yeah. well because he, he said oh I can't tell Rooney where to play yeah. and it led to a public sort of yeah. not a spat but certainly Rooney then putting statements out into the press effectively saying I play where I'm told I'm to I don't yeah, know why he yeah, said yeah, that yeah, in fact yeah. no he said that I think just after Allardyce had been given the heave yeah. but there was a little bit of animosity yeah. I think over that whole situation so that would probably be a difficulty for him. Okay, well, regardless of who is the manager, whether it's him or Unsworth or someone else, um, Benteke is back in training at Palace now. Yeah. And so hopefully, you know, there's noises coming out from, from Roy and the club that he hopefully might play in this game. So with that in uh, in regards, Reg Maudling Hi, Reg. Reg. says, should Loftus-Cheek be the player dropped to allow Benteke to start once fit? Well, I said, I think on the last pod... I disagreed with Andy when Andy said he thought that Benteke would come straight in. I said I wasn't entirely sure that'd be the case, but having listened to what Hodgson said after the game on uh, Sunday, I think it's quite clear that Benteke will, as soon as he's fit, will start. Interestingly, though, I think there is definitely a place for the type of system that we've been playing against, the likes of Spurs and Chelsea. And I, I wouldn't be averse if we well in the reverse fixtures against those teams and also other teams who play like them in a reverse similar calibre and quality for Benteke not to start but against an Everton I mean he starts every day of the week for me at home I'd rather Schlupp was the one who made way for him really I'd rather I just think Loftus-Cheek is a better player than Schlupp yeah. and I, I, think I, just, think, that, yeah. I just think Loftus-Cheek in the centre of midfield playing different passes to Ben. I mean, that's the, that's what we need to see from Benteke. It's, it's great to talk about getting crosses in for Benteke, but what we've never really seen is a sort of player... We haven't seen Kabai play the sort of balls to him where he's on the shoulder of the last defender, which we know he can do. We've seen him do that at, uh, at Liverpool and at Villa. Mm-hmm. And somebody like Loftus-Cheek combined... It was a couple of times, I think, even Southampton game, and Loftus-Cheek combined with him 
quite well. So I'd, and just in terms of physical strength, Everton are a big side. I'd, I'd, I'd rather see Loftus Cheek there to be perfect. What you want so. is them the balls going in, and then people like Loftus Cheek yeah, and yeah. Townsend, uh, Kabai running beyond them. Beyond them, absolutely, yeah. Um, like they did do last. And season. also, I mean, the, the dead uh, dead balls as well. It's going to give you a, a couple of massive options in there. That said, I didn't think yeah. Loftus Cheek was particularly good in the last two games. Well, he's playing. And he played wide and right. Some of the. No, 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 I, I think there. Yeah, there's he, certainly an element of that. I think there there is certain stuff that is still pretty raw, raw in his game, though, that sometimes the decision-making isn't quite there. Um, but we oh, said that about Schlupp earlier in his pod. So in terms of potential... Well, I think, yeah, I mean, if you had to pick, yeah. a pick between the two of them, I think, then yes. Yeah. You know, you would rather drop Schlupp for Benteke and sort of shift it around than, than Loftus-Cheek. But Loftus-Cheek, there's still a lot to prove from him, I think. I think there's still, still, quite a, young, still a lot to come from Oh, well, you're yeah. ultimately always going to get that with a 21-year-old. Yeah. But there's, there's, you know... And obviously, we, I guess we should congratulate him on his first England senior call-up as well yeah. since, since going to Palace. So that yeah, that proves that he is definitely uh, improving and, and, and doing a lot of right things. Yeah. He's a huge talent and uh, you ultimately, as I say, you're going to get that slight rawness in someone of his age. People forget that he's three years younger than Will, for example. Yeah. 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 People don't necessarily point. Yeah. remember that just given how well stacked he is. Yeah. He's a big, big lad. But there will always be that naivety in most 21-year-olds unless they're Lionel Messi's. Uh, decision making I guess as well just going back on what you were saying there the Benteke injury in a way has allowed us to discover this new 4-2-2 narrow formation whatever it is we play with Wilfred Townsend so in a way the best thing about him being injured is that we've now got this extra formation we've never played before that is now an option well it makes us less predictable we we knew before front three were going to be Townsend Wilf and Benteke we knew that there was going to be some sort of configuration of a three that if it was sort of uh, could buy Loftus Cheek and Milivojevic, we probably would expect that. And then the back four didn't really matter, but it generally picked itself. We knew how we were going to play. We knew what we were going to do. We knew that Wilf and Townsend would try and just effectively exploit down uh, round sort of wrong side and, and put plenty of crosses in for for Benteke. We knew that the defence would probably look for the quick out ball to Benteke in the air all the time. And we've become far less predictable as a result of him being out of the team. Admittedly, we've not got all of the results we would have probably wanted because he's been out of the team. Mm-hmm. But hopefully it will mean we're a bit more tactically I, versatile. And Roy has always struck me as a slightly tactically versatile guy. So you'd hope he's makes, proven that recently. I, I think that's a really good point. I think, I think Hodgson might get more out of Benteke. I think you might see Benteke dropping deeper to allow midfield players to to go into that space I think you'll see Benteke work <laughs> you definitely see him working harder I think off the ball so, hope so and yeah. it is, I mean let's be fair it is a, it, despite the fact we probably haven't seen the best of Benteke he's still scored 16 goals and yeah. whatever it is so he's uh, he's a great player to have coming back well, well yeah he scored yeah. 16 goals in a team that looked I think it was 17 absolutely abject until November yeah. last season yeah, yeah, yeah. Like effectively played for out of the entire season, maybe one and a half months well. Yeah. And, and, and I think he'll want to do well against goals. Everton as well. I mean, there they, they, they were kind of links where Everton made quite disparaging noises about him when he was linked with them in uh, as a Lukaku replacement. Mm. So I think he'll want to do to do well against them. And, and like we all said, it does, we do have that different... What we don't want is to see us go back to exactly how we were playing before when the only thing we do is to, yeah. is to look for Benteke yeah. the whole time. But again, yeah, like you say, Everton have really struggled at centre-back this season, so the last thing they'll want to see is him yeah. him coming back. Well, I watched the yeah. extended highlights of that Watford game on Sky for half an hour, and I thought they were generally terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were just not very... Like, Watford looked, until Watford fell apart, 
very late on Watford looked like they could score five, six and seven yeah. against them they were just yeah. creating chance after chance yeah. Jaggy Elker and Williams were getting turned all the time um, they were finding it so easy to get in behind uh, Pickford was looking shaky as anything yeah. so th- there's definite vulnerabilities to exploit there but what you what you really wanted to do is to see us because I thought the, the problem with the West Ham game was I thought we looked really passive in the first half compared to the Chelsea game and what you want us to see is us, is us to be on the front foot right yeah. from the start against Everton yeah. because they are eminently beatable without a doubt. And they're vulnerable at the moment. They're, 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 absolutely. They're, they're, they're not very confident. Yeah. Um, final question then is from Harling. Hi, Harling. Hi, Harling. Harling J. Um, he says, eight winnable games coming up, which we all agreed on earlier. How many points will we come away with? Could these games literally make or break our season? Is this it? Could Yeah, could do. I mean, I think if we don't, if we only get one or two points out of them, Hodgson won't be our manager going into the new year. Oh, that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Three managers in a year? I don't think there's any... I've, I've, whether it's Freeman or a championship manager comes in to guide us through our inevitable descent. But I I've, I agree with Andy. I think we'll have I think we'll have 16 points, mm. 18 points by the I time we go into the new year. I genuinely... I think we'll actually have 16. I think it'd be yeah, great Palace to continue yeah, yeah, that trend absolutely. to do the same thing. Absolutely. I think we'll have 16. And then we'll bring players in and then we'll see what happens from there. But I... I think if we lose eight out of eight, we're probably in trouble. Yeah, I think... <laughs> and, then, and then I might get really annoyed that I've made that bet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but normally you would say it's very dramatic to say is it make or break, but of course it, it, it is. We, yeah. That's the one thing we've been, look, we've been looking at the, the fixtures for a long time. And we've got a run of games that Brighton and Huddersfield have had against teams that are eminently beatable. And you kind of think, well, if Brighton and Huddersfield can beat them, we can beat them. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. And, and, and we I have think, got yeah. the three most difficult games out of the way now in the team match of the games. Yeah. And Spurs away, um, you'd say they won't yeah. be many more difficult than that. We have now had a run where we had, you know, those those games just before we had Chelsea at home as well. But ultimately, you can talk about difficulty of some of the fixtures. You can talk about the fact we play very well in some of these games. Mm. You can talk about expected goals. But to a certain extent, the excuses now have to stop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's almost that... I think I said this some the other day, and you're probably going to have to bleep this. You've just got to stop f-ing around now. Yeah, you've just got to start putting points on the board. The performances are there. Yeah, but it's time to really get down to business. Well, speaking of which, then let's stop not, not effing around, but let's just stop the pod there. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to repeat Andy's yeah, yeah. thing, but um, yeah. although you did swear earlier, so you were the first one to swear. Did I? You did. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. yeah. What did I say? Yeah. I said, don't don't repeat it because then I got no, to that out clear. as well. Yeah. So, um, it was about oh. Mr. Murray. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. I just realised I forgot to make a note of when that was. Yeah. So doesn't matter. I'd leave it. It makes a really polished sign off to make notes while you're <laughs> we know, we know, off the We pod. know at least one person won't hear it because they're going at one point five speed. So yeah, we'll, that's true. Yeah. Although last week I did. Uh, for dog's sake, Murray. What did you say? There? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, cool, guys. Thanks very much for being on the pod. You're welcome. Uh, okay, listeners, no thanks for listening. Uh, no pod next week because the break. We'll be back with you after that very big game against Everton. So uh, see you then. Bye. Bye. Podcast Network.